Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Uphill Athlete podcast. My name is Carolyn Parker, and we are joined by Uphill Athlete coaches, Maya Seckinger, Nikki LaRochelle, and Karen Bacco. Today, we're going to be talking about strategies and methods to balance life to help women working through the do-it-all syndrome that many of us succumb to, trying to work, manage, family, train, and ending up overdrawn from the energy bank and under-recovered. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, what sort of strategies do we have to help with them setting boundaries, saying no, being okay with things? You know, what have you done and what have you experienced? Because this is a this is a reality in our culture, has been for decades. Karen, uh, you want to jump in on this one first? Who, <laughs> Carolyn, you're touching on this on a sore subject there. I don't know about you, but I think we're like, we're often like such overachievers and we want to do it all because like we set goals for ourselves and, and they're not just in one direction because life is big. And so we try to be best in all the things at the same time. And it's really hard. <laughs> so yeah, it's a struggle that's real and one that I myself have trouble to find the balance in from time to time. I'll start with that. I'll think about the strategies. I have so many female athletes. They're trying to be the best mom, the best at their job, trying to do two or three different sports really well, be good partners to their partners. Like it is in so many different directions that I'm always like trying to keep track for them. Like, okay, what's going on this week? What big, you know, event does your kid have that you're traveling for in your work event? My best strategy so far is just trying to tell them over and over, if you can't make the training work, if you need that extra hour of sleep, that's okay. Like just being that sounding board and giving them permission to just kind of take a break at times. Cause I just see it over and over. They're trying to do it all. And you know, if you're a mom and you're working a big job and you have a lot of stuff going on the training and you're not trying to be an elite athlete, the training should probably be the first thing that goes. It's probably the thing you should cut out. So you can sleep an extra two hours if you didn't go to bed until 2am. So I try to give them that like external voice. Cause I think in our heads, we're like, no, we have to do it. We have to be better. We can't give up. Like we're lazy. I try to be the external voice being like, it's okay. It's okay. If it doesn't work today, don't stress about it. Don't beat yourself up for it. That's going to be worse in the long run. Let's just try again tomorrow. That's my biggest strategy. It's a great one. I want to, I do want to recognize this is female uphill athlete, but men and women fall prey to this. We're talking about women in general, because they tend to be the caregivers and have that sort of extra drive usually and end up taking that mom role and working full-time and all that. But it's to really give them that perspective and talk with them and say, it truly isn't possible. You may see things and social media is terrible. It's made this worse, you know, because any, everyone only posts the positive. They don't, and like, I did this and I did this and I did this. They don't post themselves like curled up in a ball in their bedroom all day on a Sunday weeping because they just imploded. And I mean, that's, that can be a reality. And so, you know, learning to, what can you do? What is a reasonable load? There are only so many hours in the day. We really want to dial everything back first and foremost to health and wellness before we try to do anything that is performance. Again, recreational. And it's like, if you're exhausted, but you need some fresh air, walk instead of run. You know, if you really just feel like you got to sleep in and you want to spend cozy time with your family and your kids and feel no pressure, please. If our plan is three weeks of intense training and a week of recovery, we need a recovery week earlier. Let's do it. Just making it really reinforcing how, you know, how dynamic it, it needs to be 
I just, sometimes I, you know, I share a lot of my own stories. That's another thing. I don't want to ever make it about me, but if someone puts you on a pedestal or looks up to you as a coach, sometimes sharing your own um, challenges and things over time can be super beneficial because you're like, oh, you went through this too? You're not perfect? I'm like, oh yeah, no, not even remotely close. That's why I'm so good at coaching you because I screwed up all these times and did too much. Yeah, I think I try to think a lot about what I can do with what I have in that moment or in that day or in that week. There's so much thinking we do and expectation we have that just isn't productive. For example, just for me personally right now, it's like I'm sick. I'm postpartum. Like, what can I actually do for training? It's like not a lot. Realistically, I shouldn't really be doing a whole lot right now. And I think there's the expectation of wishing I could or thinking I need to be doing that, but I, I just can't. So it's it's so easy to just beat our heads against the wall with this expectation stuff. And our egos get so tripped up with this as well. But I try to encourage people to really think about what's the best thing you can do. That's just the motto. What's the best thing I can do for myself in this moment? And a lot of, maybe that could be resting or backing off. And playing the long game. And yeah, Maya, like you were saying, there's way more important things in life than sport. It should not be the prior. I think if it is the priority, that's can be really problematic. I think people, health, all that stuff is way more important. Here's a strategy that I've used with some athletes who maybe sometimes have a lot of goals, different goals at the same time. And maybe they're not necessarily a parent or a caregiver but they're like super active in their work life and then they have you know some some goals that they're training for that are not just one but but different ones and I try to sort of help them structure what they're aiming for over like a period of time by asking them well what's most important for you in this time frame of one month or two months and then what might be more important for you a bit further down the line and get them to prioritize a little bit and along with that they're often like quite good at like writing down their training over time and using platform like training peaks and stuff which tracks fatigue and things but it doesn't track other added stress at all right there is no training peaks for work <laughs> we haven't made it yet but that has such a huge effect on like our energy level and our recovery it's often both physical and mental so I've gotten them to like think of it as as pluses and minus so for a week where they have extra workload or or some other sort of factor that plays that isn't captured by their training load you know put like a minus you know on on that week so that overall you're going to bump down your intensity or your volume or both and then for those weeks where you have more time and energy because maybe you have less work hours or less other things going on put a plus in there and so you can sort of vary a little bit your overall load according to what your life does i ask my athletes weekly what their next week will look like just for that exact reason karen to this oh, it's going to be a really busy work week. We might need to take two days off because you're going to be working 14 hours or whatever. <laughs> like we're not going to train. So yeah, I think you have to vary the training. It has to be dynamic. Like we were just talking about. I really like that you brought that point and that I think rolls into another future question really well. But what I found too, and I would think this would speak to a lot of women when we set up our coaching for our athletes. Um, and I know you know, people personally do this in their lives. I'm a list maker, to be honest. Um, I like achieving things. I'll have athletes I work with who like, it's like 
if the training's in there, it just becomes another thing on the list. And, and they, they disconnect from what Karen's talking about of like, what's your life stress? They're like, oh, I have to get this done. And I'll be like, no, no, no. Sometimes they tell me they're sorry that they didn't get their training done. And I was like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about the I'm sorry factor at some point. Besides erasing that from your vocabulary, you know, you don't owe me anything. I'm, I'm here to support you. But if they tell me things like Maya checks in, you know, Nikki chicken, it was a really busy week. Skip that training if you need to, dial it back. We can move it to another day. We can adjust the week, but we have to play with that. I've had a few athletes too. It's been a long-term battle. So I will actually add stuff, Karen, to their training. They'll be like, well, I worked this and I did this and I had to do it. Did it and I'll put in a block and I'm like, whatever it is, like farm work, yard work, over, like all this physical stuff they did. So, and I'll give it like a 300 TSS, you know, because they look at their numbers. I'm like, okay, well, then I'm going to put your life stress in there as a number and they'll have this massive negative. And they're like, oh, <laughs> so until I can get them to really start seeing how much that, that type of fatigue loads their body, I'll manipulate their training beaks and just be like, this is really something you want to look at. Oh, you know, what's another good strategy to help people with delegating. <laughs> how do you delegate <laughs> to Brad? Oh, well, yeah, it's a great question. Um, right. You know, I think Brad and I both trying to be active people, we just really try to maintain a relationship that's symbiotic in nature. Like I can notice it's easy to default as a couple into this game of you got out for an hour. I need to get out for an hour. Um, it's more adversarial in nature than symbiotic. So we really work to try to have a partnership to best support one another. But I think... <laughs> I mean, right now, I, I think life feels a bit like a mess and we're just hanging on just with having a new baby and we're, we're both working and I, I don't know, it's easy to just be like, we're a total disaster, but we're doing the best we can. And I think from the minute we wake up to the minute we go to bed, we are on doing something that gets exhausting, but we're just doing our best. And I think the focus on the partnership has to be key so we don't disintegrate into this angry dynamic with one another. Not to say that doesn't happen. It more happens in the middle of the night with a baby <laughs> where I'm like, I could murder you, husband, because you're not <laughs> helping me. But then I wake up and I'm like, oh, I like you again. It's sunny outside. <laughs> yes. But I mean, keeping all the balls in the air, it's so hard. I, I don't know anyone that thinks they're doing a good job. It's like, I'd be hard any person that's like, oh, I'm managing everything really well. Yeah. Like who says that? No one thinks that. If, if they say it, I'd question their honesty. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, really? Yeah. Well, oh. They might do it just for one day. Like today I managed everything. <laughs> that's not bad, that's right? Not what yeah, are you out of week? <laughs> That's not to say, I mean, having, I mean, having kids is one arena, but I think without kids, people can feel just as busy, just as occupied, just as pulled in so many directions. I mean, so many of us have many irons in the fire. And like you were saying, Karen, you're just, we only have so much capacity, so much bandwidth to do all the things. And inevitably we feel like we're falling short 
constantly because we do only have so much capacity. And sometimes it's not even a time constraint, it's the energy constraint that can be hard. And it's good to bring that into focus with athletes, like Karen was saying, with athletes who want to do all the things. I have athletes who want to do all the things. And I still am like, yeah, I don't want to burst your bubble, but you can't. Mm-hmm. Like we can't you can't train to be exceptional elite at all this stuff anyway, much less put all the life stuff in that same basket. Just you know, I mean, go and figuring out how to be happy. Yeah. Maya. I always just tell all of my athletes who are recreational athletes who (laughs) want to do like a million things. I say, look at the lifestyles of professional athletes. It's rare that they have families. It's rare. They have another job. It's rare that they have a really busy social life and they're traveling. They don't go on vacation. I mean, I've watched a lot of athletes through my years and you know, they're training every day, twice a day, their job is to recover. Their job is to eat properly. Like that is all there is to their life. And exactly. They don't have all the other life stuff that I mean, the four of us, I think deal with and most of our athletes. So that's just a good reminder for the do it all people that, you know, being a professional athlete is a full-time job and that's how they get to where they get. Maya, that leads me to ask um, the three of you about how often you're butting up against with your athletes, people having an expectation to perform like a professional athlete, or are you running into athletes looking at the way a professional athlete's training and having that expectation for themselves? Do you run into that? I think I run into more the expectation they're going to perform at that level than that they're going to train like they're professional athletes. Occasionally I have some like athletes who are more on that professional track, but they still have a full-time job. And every time we kind of edge to that like higher training load, they get sick or they're injured. And so I have to like dial back again. It's just kind of in that initial conversation and following conversations like I'm going to be realistic with you no matter what and so if you aren't able to complete this training you're not going to be able to perform at the level you want and if life is in the way of that that's okay we just have to like set those goals realistically yeah I I would say I have the same thing one of the things I find same kind of thing overreaching and the the getting sick and like you know, my athletes are, are relatively good most of the time uh with all that stuff. They do listen and mostly comply. I, I, and we'll talk about this in a bit, but social media is a big uh, influence on some of my people when they see the smash and grab and they see various other things that people do and they get inspired by it, like into the mountains and go, Oh, what? could I do that? I want to do that. Oh, that's, and they, they don't really have an understanding of what, of what it takes. Like Maya was saying, it's like, they don't understand the volume of training that happens to do that when you're trying to put that into a life of um, complexity like we all have um, there's sacrifices on every level on each side of all those things to make that stuff happen big ones yeah good point I think sometimes it's also the cumulative effect of what we what people see on social media what I mean by that is like we don't just see the one person who just accomplished something and the the three or four months that led up to that, we see that accomplishment of that one person. And then we, the next day, see this accomplishment of the next person. And then two days later, we see the third accomplishment of the third person and it all stacks up. And it seems like, wow, there are so many accomplishments being done all the time, but we forget that they're all done by different people. That's a good point. We don't need to do them all ourselves at the same time. I don't know if I've connected that even in just my own life. That's a good. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna think about that. 
I wonder too about Strava. I, I think about how people are nowadays keeping up with what their friends and acquaintances are doing. And I wonder what that does for people. I mean, I think there's this constant upping the ante of, I mean, I, I've noticed myself with, with ski mountaineering, just the number of vertical feet people are climbing. And it, I think it inadvertently creates this pressure for people like, oh, they skied 10,000 vertical, vertical feet. Like I need to be doing that. If I want to accomplish X goal, I need to be doing this. I'm just curious if you run into with that Strava dynamic as part of the whole social media umbrella is is also a part of this oh i I, you know i think it's it's huge and i feel very fortunate to have predated all of that and now get to observe it from a different perspective yeah (laughs) because i don't think it's healthy and i think it's reflected in you know the culture of athletics we see it culturally i mean this rise in mental health disorders i hate to say it suicide rates it's it's especially in young people. Um, I'm not so sure. I think, I think you can use those tools. It's that double-edged sword. I think you can use those tools productively and effectively, but I feel like the, without the emotional support and the, the balance to like really put it in perspective, which may come from a lifetime versus where you are when you're young, I think it's hard to not just go do and feel like you have to keep up with. And like Karen said, all the accomplishments, it, it, and then roll that into everything that's happening in your life, starting a business, having a child, whatever the things may be, buying a house, you know, there isn't a framework of structuring it for reality-based work. You get, you get asked friends of mine when you come visit, cause you're all supposed to come visit. Um, I basically live under a rock. So for the most, <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to do any of this that's, Wait, that's my, don't... that's my mechanism for staying healthy. She's a live under a rock. You don't live under a barbell? I thought you lived (laughs) under a barbell. (laughs) Right. Yeah, my my house, I live in a rock in the back. No, sorry. I gotta go. Okay. I gotta go. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Let's end this question and then we'll we'll say goodbye to Karen. Thanks, Karen, for joining us. Sorry I can't be here any longer. I tried my best. I wish I could talk some more with all of you. You all are the best. And I'm so glad we're doing this. And I'm totally on board for more of it. That's all I have. Sorry. I'm like so in French mode right now. It was really hard. It was, I'm totally shell-shocked, but. Good. <laughs> good luck with French mode, my, my dear. <laughs> bisous, bisous. Ciao, ciao. Ciao. Thank you for tuning in to this Uphill Athlete podcast. For more information about joining our female Uphill Athlete group, kicking off January 4th, 2022, go to www.uphillathlete.com and we would love to have you join us.